The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women's Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at McCarthy 74 On this week's show, our special VIP guest is Munster and Irish Rugby International Dervla Nicovard, who helped Munster claim the 2023 Vodafone Irish Women's Interprovincial title and is currently lining out for Ireland in the TikTok Six Nations Championship. Resident Red FM Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me to discuss all the latest F1 off-track headlines. Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan is back with another action-packed segment. Munster Women's Hockey PRO Graham Catchpole has all the latest Munster Women's Hockey and EY League results, scores and updates. And we'll also have reaction from the Cork Under-16s who claimed Munster LGFA titles this past weekend. We also have all the post-match reaction from this year's Cork LGFA Under-21C and D County Finals involving the school versus Iban ladies and Rock Bourne versus Castlehaven. That's all to come on this week's Women's Sport Podcast. I was delighted to get an opportunity to interview Munster and Irish Rugby International Dervla Nicovard, who was announced as one of the Echo Newspaper's Women in Sport Monthly Award winners for 2023. Nicovard was twice voted Player of the Match in Munster's 2023 Vodafone Irish Women's Interprovincial Title Winning Championship. The Bannacolic native is currently representing her country in the 2023 TikTok Women's Six Nations and spoke to the Big Red Bench about what's been a hectic year. Now, we are delighted to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by Irish International and Munster Interprovincial uh, winner for 2023, as well as that, uh, Dervla Nicovard. You're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. How are you? Good. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to talk to you. Um, we're going to go back, first of all, and talk about the uh, Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship this year because Munster won their second interprovincial title in a row, beating Ulster 34-0, beating Leinster 26-17 and beating Connacht 50-24. When I say that to you, Dervla, being part of this particular group of players, it was a fantastic achievement. It's never an easy thing to win an interprovincial title. What is it about this dressing room and the players in it um, that helped Munster win back-to-back titles? Yeah, um, yeah. look, it was a really exciting championship. I think it's almost a pity that it was only three games because I think we had another gear in us, to be honest, and um, like we were really enjoying the rugby that we were playing Um I think that that group, we've just been very lucky that we seem to have created a good pathway in terms of younger girls coming up through. And now we have a couple of um, a couple of those girls that would have been the younger girls a couple of years ago have now gotten you know a good few caps at, at interpro level, but they've also gotten another couple of seasons of AIL under their belts as well, and they're really really developing into into leaders on the pitch, but they haven't quite you know lost that buzz of being new in still as well. And I think you know sometimes that is the benefit maybe of having such a short tur- tournament um, that it's, you know, it's a really special time of the year for everybody. Interpro is always great crack and I think we get a good buzz off of uh, off of that as well. But yeah, I think it's just, there was a really good mix of, um, of young talent in there as well as a couple of us old heads as well. So a lot of, a uh, lot of energy, a lot of energy. And then that kind of spurs us on. Yeah. I mean, it sounds almost cliche to say it to you, but, you know, the uh, after each of the wins on television when we were looking at you as well, there's a real togetherness in that squad. It's you know that's not something that can be fabricated. You have to develop that. It takes time to do that, but there just seems to be a real togetherness when 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 you pull on that monster jersey. I mean, is that a? I mean, you need that if you're going to overcome the likes of Leinster, Ulster, and Connacht. Yeah, 
for sure. Um, yeah, I don't like obviously I don't know what it's like inside in the other camps, but definitely for us, I think there is there is massive pride in playing for Munster, um, and I don't think that has ever you know faded or waned. And I think even for the younger generations coming through, that's still a huge a huge honour. Um, and even this year, like Briggsy and and Sarah and the management team got in incredible speakers for us for jersey presentations and things as well. Like, and all of those little details, you know, really added to the buzz and the sense of specialness that there is around Interpro. Um, like I I I still get goosebumps coming on to pitches for Munster every year, and I I maybe missed out on a few campaigns when I was away with sevens and things. So coming back to it was incredibly special. Um. And I think over the years, like the the kind of focus around it as part of the season has shifted. Uh, but this year there was a brilliant um, like audience for it as well. And I remember getting a lot of texts from people that they might not have been able to make the matches, but they were watching it online. And people that you know were getting in touch with my parents, who again couldn't make the games. But even the fact that they had watched it, like in years previous, nobody knew it was happening. But there was a brilliant buzz around it this year, and. I think we we fed off that too, um, definitely some of the younger girls had never experienced anything like that, and it was it was very special for them to recognise that you know there was a really good buzz around the tournament, um, and I think it actually you know spurred us on to play some really good rugby as well. So it was good to see that you know the, the two kind of fed into each other. How important you mentioned the coverage of it there. I mean, in terms of online, in terms of newspapers, I mean, the women's rugby game now has been take is slowly coming up to the level that the men's game, in terms of its coverage and in terms of the attention it deservedly should be getting. But TG Carr taking up the the TV rights, you're right there. I mean, it it did make a huge difference. It just seemed to be there a lot more buzz and chatter about the uh, interprovincials during the competition itself. You obviously felt that. Yeah, I think we did, and. Um I think, like, you know, I suppose that can be a double-edged sword. Sometimes it's always good when you're on the on the positive side of uh, winning margins. Like, but um, it's definitely something that we, you know, we were very pleased about. Um, and I think we represented ourselves well. So that always, you know, that always feeds into a kind of positive mindset when it comes to media and stuff like that. But I might be a bit biased, but I absolutely love CG Catter too. So <laughs> they, uh, they give me a bit, of, a bit of work every now and again. And, I really enjoyed that just from pure point of view. Like I knew people that were commentating on games. I got a bit of stick to be fair for the player of the matches because they reckon the girls reckoned it was rigged. But um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to make any more comments on that. But uh, it, you know, it was good crack. And um, yeah, they put in a massive amount of coverage. And even from a point of view of just being able to watch the matches back afterwards, like I remember one of my first interviews, I don't even know if we had a recording of the game after. So. You know, it's come on leaps and bounds, and I I do think there is an appetite for it in um, in the wider public as well. But having access to it makes a huge difference. So the, their coverage of it was was brilliant, and coverage around it from again again from a monster point of view, like we were getting very positive positive feedback online and things like that, and it does it does add to the buzz, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think you're right on that. In fairness, look, my next question was about the fact you won two out of three uh, Vodafone Player of the Match awards, but maybe we don't want to dwell on that. Maybe you want to dwell on the fact <laughs> Maeve O'Gallery won the other one. But I, I do yeah. think yeah. I do think from watching the matches this year, Dervila, you were you did enjoy a really consistent interprovincial campaign. I think that's being fair to you. Did, did you feel you obviously were playing very well yourself? You enjoyed playing in the role you were given by by Munster, and that was reflected in those Player of the Match awards, irrespective of your arrangement with TG. Car- that had nothing to do with it clearly but can I ask you 
Neve Briggs is somebody I have a huge amount of respect for and everybody on the big red bench we've always admired her as a player what's it like as a head coach having somebody like Neve Briggs breaking down what needs to be done and, and inspiring that uh, that dressing room I think it's huge um, you know she obviously has so much experience as both a player and now as a coach as well um, and she commands you know a huge amount of respect obviously as a result of that but also given that she was for some of us, anyway, we, we had been teammates over the years. Um, and I think there's a kind of specialness to that, too. Um, maybe sometimes a downside because she knows your tick maybe a bit too well. But, um, no, we had, we had you know, a great ability to be very open and honest about things um, and about styles of play. And I think she gave us the freedom that she would have wanted as a player. So, like, we worked very, very hard on getting a system and a shape in place that we could attack off. But we weren't, you know, like constrained to that system and shape when, you know, the heads up rugby was on. So she was very adamant about just doing the basics well. And the basics is very often just finding space and putting somebody into it. So we did a lot of that in training um, and the type of training we did reflected how we wanted to play. And so that made it so simple to go onto the field and just, know that what you were looking for was to put specific players into those into those spaces. So it was it was brilliant like and I think as a person that transitioned from playing into coaching, um, she's shown the benefit of that. And she built up a team of people around her as well that definitely supported all of those aspects of the game. Like she could focus very much on on our attack um and how to make it as effective as possible. Um, and then we had great skills coaches as well, like C. Hayes took over defence um, and we didn't concede a huge amount of tries, so that obviously worked very well. Um, and then we had Mike and um, a bigger team as well from from looking after set piece and forward stuff as well, so that was that was great. And Matt then was also in charge of defence. And like, you know, when you have that many resources all focused on making you better, it's just, you know, it's, it's hard not to improve. It certainly isn't, and but she delivered on the pitch when it mattered most. And uh, look, it was a fantastic season to win back-to-back interpros is not easy. Um, and I think the the level of competition could have put it to you that the level of competition that you're facing is one thing, one barrier. But the level of competition all of a sudden within the monster senior setup, it's not the straight fifteen and a few others anymore. There's a real challenge now for positions in all of those positions. Yeah, definitely, um, and that's like for sure has pushed us on as well. I know there was a lot of very disappointed girls throughout that campaign who who were so close, but who also have many, many years ahead of them. So I think it's, you know, sometimes having to face those disappointments brings you on even further for the next time that you get an opportunity because you know how hard you have to work to get onto the pitch. Um, but like competition is always a good thing. It also means that when you're training, the quality of training is higher. Um, so for those 15 that do get to, to start, they've been really, really well prepared. Um, and for the, the girls that come on off the bench, they're, you know, they're not massively far behind. It's, it's tiny, small percentages or maybe tactical decisions around specific players for specific games. We've gotten to the point now where we can start doing things like that. Um, and we're probably there a while, like, but again, as I said earlier, the younger girls coming up through, they just have so much more experience than, than what players had even five or six seasons ago. Um, I think my first season playing with Munster, I pr- probably played a half an AIL season. And these girls are coming off the back of two or three AIL seasons and under 18 careers, you know. So it's, it's just a different, um, 
different generation, really. It certainly is. And I think the pathway that you're talking about there is something we've discussed on the Big Red Bench with uh, Wendy Keenan, who's the chairperson of Munster Women's Rugby uh, at length um, all year, and the importance of young girls coming in now, playing regularly for their club, performing well, and then getting onto interprovincial panels. That's happening at a much younger age. It's it's starting to filter through onto the senior panel, like you just said. I can hear the pride in your voice when you talk about putting on the Munster jersey. I know you have the same pride when you pull on the Irish international jersey. And as we record this, uh, pod, or this in, an interview with the moment um, things aren't going the way Ireland would have liked in the TikTok Women's Six Nations but can I just ask you in terms of irrespective of results and look results will come and performances will improve as time goes on the pride you have putting on the jersey for Munster what's it like hearing that national hearing the two anthems for Ireland before an Irish international game especially you know when, when you're getting to represent your country I know that that's something that's very very important to you yeah definitely it's um it's been an up and down road, I suppose, for me and, and you know, being involved in, in 15s and then 7s and kind of ping-ponging between the two a little bit. Um, this, yeah, as you said, like this campaign hasn't started in the best way, but at the same time, there's literally nowhere else I'd rather be. And I think the fact that I've gotten, you know, a second stab at it has been honestly just incredible. Um I think it, it's almost part of rekindled a different, you know, part of my my uh, my personality. Nearly like the the joy that being involved has brought me is is massive. Um, and I think it's like even against the French at the weekend, like it was a terror of a place to be out on that pitch. To be fair, but even coming off it, I was still so proud of of what we had done. And I think looking forward to the next couple of tour or matches. Like there's still a massive pride, a massive amount of heart and spice, um, and again, it's just that that same mentality. You never know if you're going to get another opportunity, and you know you just have to absolutely take it whenever you can. Um, I don't know if there's, if there's any way of really describing the the feeling of of playing for your country properly, but uh, I think the thing that sums it up for me really is that we had a jersey presentation from Donico Callahan during the week and um, it was a really, really special moment but he spoke about how, you know, the moments you get on the pitch reveal a lot about who you are as a person um, and who you are, you know, as a representative of your family and of your country and that's, you know, it's obviously a massive responsibility but it's a, it's a huge honour as well like, um, and I think that's something that we've spoken about as a group is how much of an honour it is to be that person that gets to represent um, you know, not only your friends and family, but your country and what it means. Like, it's it's absolutely huge. And I don't think we take that lightly. Um, in fact, it's one of the, the major things that drives us on to keep going. So it's a, it's a positive responsibility, although, you know, it, does, it can be a heavy at times, but it, it genuinely is one of the most special things, I think, that, that I have achieved um, in, in my life and definitely something I'm, I'm hugely proud of. Well, uh, the way you've spoken so eloquently, what what it means to be an Irish international, the way you've spoken about the pride you have in both the Irish and the, and the Munster jerseys, um, it's refreshing to hear it, Derva, and it, it's, it doesn't surprise me one bit. You've had a fantastic start to the year. I hope that it continues throughout the year and everybody here on the Big Red Bench wishes you well for the remainder of the TikTok Six Nations and everything that is to come. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. Thanks so much and uh, thank you for having me on. 
The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan joins me on this week's Big Red Bench to offer us her expert opinion on all things rugby and review all the latest provincial, clubs, schools and adult results, scorers and upcoming fixtures. Plus, we have all the latest Munster Rugby and International Rugby news making the headlines. Now, delighted to be joined on the line here on the Big Red Bench by the Munster Women's uh, Chairperson, uh, Wendy Keenan, once again to go through the latest international, interprovincial and club and schools news and all things Munster Women's Rugby. Wendy, you're very welcome back. Thanks a million, Jerry. Delighted to be back again. Good to talk to you. Before we start, congratulations to you and your teammates on winning back-to-back interprovincial uh, championships. Maybe you might just quickly elaborate on that. It's not rugby, but uh, it's still an interprovincial championship and back-to-back uh, titles. Well done. Yeah, thanks a million, Ger. We were in Lisnagarvi in the north at the weekend for the um, the Hockey Masters Interpros. There's Interpros now at 35s, 40s, 45s, 50s and 55s. Um, so we were up there at the weekend and um, yeah, we retained our trophy. So we're absolutely thrilled. Came down to the wire. 10 minutes left against Ulster. We had to win and scored two goals um, in the last seven minutes to, to take the trophy. So, um, yeah, we're still floating. Floating is the right thing to say. Well done to you anyway. And, and, and that Munster uh, Masters hockey team, congratulations. Not a not a trivial thing to win an interprovincial series, irrespective of the grade, and to do it two years in a row. Well done to you. Um, before we get into the nitty-gritty about Munster women's rugby and development squads, we have to talk about the Irish international senior team that have, unfortunately, the women's team have suffered a third consecutive TikTok Six Nations defeat. Um Heading into the match with England, I mean, uh, and I, I don't mean to be, you know, laughing at the matter, like, but England are an absolute beast at the minute. This is a very, very difficult situation that Greg McWilliams and the current panel find themselves in. Um, I think they're in transition. I think this is a transitional year to put to, to say it mildly. I think it was before ball, you know, w- w- was kicked off. Where are you in all of this in terms of the Irish international team? Um, and obviously, this is a huge mountain to climb against the English. Uh, you know, their second last game here in the Six Nations. But just where is the Irish senior team right now as far as you're concerned and what's the future for it? Because I think that's probably more important. Yeah, I suppose, look, I mean, there's two aspects of this, you know, to answer your first question, where am I? Um, I suppose I, I have huge empathy for all the girls, especially Nicola Friday going on, you know, doing these interviews and she's nearly in tears. Nobody mm. wants to see that. Look, it'll be a disappointing campaign and it will hurt and, you know, we've got to manage our expectations as supporters and, and those girls need our support. We need performances, but they will come and it's but it's going to take time. And that's where we're at. Like this isn't a blame game. It's amateur players that are transitioning into a professional game where other countries are ahead of us. There is a plan, you know, by the IRFU. We need to trust in that plan and we'll see that change, you know, and, and like and, and if you look at that pathway that we've spoken about mm. numbers of times and we'll speak about it in a minute, we've got this Irish under 18 squad that are now coming through. So if you like, they're putting the scaffolding in, you know, it's probably a little bit later than was expected, but it, it but it is coming. We're going to have those centres of excellence in each of the provinces, you know what I mean, set up in the next two months. Um, the staff um, ha- will be signing their contracts, I believe, over the next uh, couple of weeks um, so that, you know, that pathway will be there as well. And we just need to be patient, you know, uh, and allow them this transition period. It is a huge mountain mm. when we look at Saturday's match. Like, we need to manage our expectations here. You know, England were ahead of the game, you know, in terms of their contracts and with their training level. You know, they will be, you know, resting some players for their big match um, against France to finish off their campaign. Um, you know, we'd love a big performance. But look, 
we need to get to Musgrave Park. We mm. need to get as many people into that stadium to cheer on this bunch of girls because they've been on the receiving end of a lot of criticism. So I just personally want to wish them the very best of luck. Um, I'll be there shouting with my green on. <laughs> and anybody that's there, we will be in the Southern Star Bar afterwards having a drink, do you know what I mean, to, to finish off the season. Um, and look, when we want to join us, they're more than welcome. But let's get in, get let's get there and support them that's the important bit yeah I think look when you take a step back for it it's not the season anyone wanted it's not what Greg Williams wanted it's not what they were if you wanted or the players involved it's very very difficult when you're on the receiving end of defeats like that at international rugby but there is a future this is the big thing there is an opportunity for these players to get a chance again when the structures are in place and more players come on board um, you know this is not a bad Irish setup. it's just very it's regrettable at the moment that France and England are way out ahead of everyone else including the rest of the world, I would say, maybe not New Zealand and Australia. But, um, you know, the likes of Wales and Italy and Scotland are teams that we can target next year and the year beyond, I think, to start building again. It's just, it's a hard watch, Wendy, for people. And it's a harder watch, I think. And we spoke to Nicola Nicovard on, on this week's podcast as well. You know, she's immensely pro to put on that green jersey. Every one of those players are. It's just a horrible situation to be in right now. But that's just now. The future does remain bright. Yeah, and I suppose, look, we have to remember, like, we're only talking about months that these girls are under contract. It's not like we're talking that they have been in contract, you know what I mean, um, for a year or two years. It's going to take time. You know, Lynn Canfield alluded to it last night on the television. I mean, this could take three, four years for us mm. to see the dividends of these programmes. But, you know, and and that's why we need to be patient and, you know what I mean, hold our criticism and support these girls as they transition into that professional game because it's not easy. It isn't, and uh, I'm sure it's something we're going to return to over time and probably over the next few months and stuff, even when the Six Nations is over. But for now, we wish the Irish team all the best. Uphill, uphill challenge to put a mighty against a mighty English team, but let's just uh, let's hope they can put in a performance. From the senior team to the Irish under-18s, and some good news for Munster Women's Rugby, Wendy. Um, yeah, we have the Irish under-18 squad. They're just back from England there, where they played their Women's Six Nations Festival. Um, we were delighted in Munster. We had seven selected for that squad. Um, and I'm going to go through them all because they all deserve a mention as well as their clubs for all the work that goes on in the background. So Grania Burke from Ennis. Beth Buttermer, who we were spoken about last year, was there. was there again this year. Feathered Carrigan Shore. Lily Morris from Killarney. Saskia Witcherly, your local um, from Bantry Bay, but also was the captain. Lindsay Clark from Ennis. Katrina Finn from Ballina Killaloo. Lucia Ling, who's Loughborough UK, but we're claiming her because she played her rugby with Dolphin there last year. Um, before she moved back to the UK. And Eve McCarthy from Bantry, all worthy of a, of, of a mention. So three days of, of um, matches for those girls. So the campaign opened with um, a defeat to France, 24-15, but lots of lessons learned there. And then later on, they went on to defeat Italy, 10-0. And um, they defeated Scotland, 31-5, but lost out to England in a very close match, 14-5. Um, they were very unlucky on their last day. A festival of tries, there are six tries and they lost out 19-7 at the, at the death to Wales with Lindsay Clark actually scoring there. I mean, to watch her on television, we, I was watching them because the matches were live streamed. Fabulous pace there and Beth Bottomer featured a lot. But if we read the match reports, all our Munster girls are featuring and being named and being highlighted for their performances. So huge congratulations um, to all those girls. I mean, this was the second year that Ireland had featured in this competition at this level and it's given the girls a taste I suppose for that high performance element and what it's like to train in that environment they were capped which is a really important but that they'll take those experiences I mentioned last year back to their clubs and that'll help lift you know training and lift the performances it's given them a taste of wearing that green jersey no doubt and they'll be aiming to transition into that adult, adult game and that's why this I suppose the strategic plan is so important that I mentioned earlier that we are going to have these high performance hubs 
in each of the provinces. And those girls will be able to train at a higher level and get the training and, and, and I suppose, S&C work that they need to transition into that green jersey at an adult level. Yeah, and well done. I suppose the most refreshing thing for you and for us uh, here down in Munster is the number of people that featured in that squad. I mean, that's the most encouraging thing. And to see that they each featured in each of the games, the match reports means they've made an impact. Um, and, and not just from one particular area of Munster, but drawn from all over the province as well. That is a really positive sign. Yeah, you know, we, we had the campaign, you know, can't see, can't be. And here we have different girls from different corners of the province going back. And they're idols, they're role models for those young girls that are coming through. They're playing, you know, minis under 14, under 16. And now they know somebody in their community who's been wearing a green jersey, who's been captured underage for Ireland. Um, and, you know, that's it's just wonderful to see, isn't it? It is. It's fantastic. And well done to each of those players for representing not just Munster, but Ireland so well at the under-18 level. Now from under-18 and talking about pathways and transitions and foundations, good news on development squads as well, uh, Wendy. Yeah, so we've a, we've a new um, initiative, I suppose, where we have an under-20 uh, development squad training at the moment. And they have 29 players included in the squad um, at present. And uh, I suppose, like, why are we doing under-20s? We're hoping to transition, you know, those players into the adult game. We know that that's a key area. Um, and sometimes the step up is a bit much for, for some girls and they don't have the confidence to do it and they might give up. So we're trying to bridge that gap. They'll be playing Connacht, actually, on the 26th. I'm looking forward to reviewing that match. Um, and we know that there is plans to have an under-20 match in the summer with the IRFU at an Irish level. Um, you know, a development squad. So perhaps some of those girls will transition into that. So that you know, there's there's really good, I suppose, reasons why we we've gone for an under twenty development squad to just have it and, and see how it affairs out for us. So all good so far. They seem to be having great fun, which is is wonderful to see. And we also have our under eighteens. They're continuing to train, and they'll be playing their interpros more than likely um, early August. Um, so they'll be training alongside uh, and playing alongside their the senior counterparts. So it's going to be a busy few weeks before those interpros in August. Certainly is no rest at all uh, for the wicked, but no rest at all for most women's rugby. And it's good to see, as you mentioned, the under twenty. I think that's an important step from eighteen to twenty to senior. Um, just the physicality of it alone, and just to get any 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 bit any extra time these players on these interprovincial development squads get in a training environment, high performance is going to benefit them. So it's a, it's another positive step and well done on that. Let's turn our attention to domestic matters and we have some results from uh, the past weekend and the Adult Cups. Yeah, so the last two weekends I was going to give some of the results. Um, so at level, excuse me, last Sunday we had um, our league final and that uh, UL Bowes defeated Skibbereen um, at the weekend. Um, so that was a tough battle there for, for Skibbereen. Um, the week before we had our Division 1 Cup final where Kerry defeated Thurlis. And our Division 2 Cup final on the same day in Musgrave Park, Ennis defeated Middleton. So we had a great um, two games there. Um, in our Under-16 Development Cup, we have Brough defeated from Moy. And I have to say, though, um, you know, when I'm looking at the results and despite our cup and our leagues being all wrapped up for, you know what I mean, for the season, um, the number of friendly matches that are taking place at 14, 16, 18 and the adult game is incredible to see when you look at the fixture list on uh, on Munster Rugby. So this weekend, a couple of matches coming up. So we have our Development Cup at under uh, 18. So Skibbereen Bantry will play Shannon. And at under 16, Middleton Yall will play um, All Crescent. And in the adult game, we have our bowl final, and that's Enniskill Rush versus Thurless. 
And you know me and I love to see the young girls out playing. Big mini festival that's uh, taking place in Ballincollig on Sunday. So wishing all the girls playing this weekend the very best of luck. Yeah, isn't it refreshing just to see the demand for games, even though the season has come to an end, that there's that much interest in it, that clubs, I know there's, a cup, there's some cups of good luck to all the Munster teams in finals over the coming weekend that you've outlined there. But isn't it just great to see the demand for it, Wendy? The, oh, they they can't get enough. And I suppose what I haven't mentioned, which we, we, we're running out of time, but I will be talking next week. We have 40 teams taking place, uh, taking part this week in a, in a sevens competition um, to qualify for a, an All-Ireland competition. So 40 teams coming from schools around the province to play. And look, I'm just hoping the sunshine keeps up there for another couple of days because, um, you know, they'll have deserved it. But um, we'll review that next week and I, I'll... When you see where the representation is coming from around the province, it is just, you know, when they say the future looks bright, mm. I'm certainly smiling. I can see that you are. And uh, why not if there's 40 schools getting involved in sevens competition? That's another huge plus. We finished this week with a very important, um, I suppose, development and uh, the Give It A Try initiative, which is, is something very, very important again for Munster, not just Munster rugby, but women's rugby in general, Wendy. Yeah, look, it, it, it really is. You'll see uh, all over social media, all the clubs are, you know, advertising, they'll give it a try. Some of them have actually started. So it's to encourage, I suppose, young girls just to give it a try. You know, they can try for, you know, some of them are four, six, eight week programmes. And um, they're usually about an hour long. Um, and it's just to give girls a taste to see if they'd like to play rugby. So I might go along and, you know what I mean, end up, you know, playing the whole way through. I think there's a claim that our two girls from Ennis have actually started that, that we're in the under-18 squad, that is um, Gronya and Lindsay Clark, that they started in the Give It A Try programme in Ennis and here they are in the green jersey at under-18. So, look, we're just encouraging and mentioning it to, to reach out to your local club or have a look at their social media and there might be an opportunity for, you know what I mean, one of the young girls to, to take it up. Well, there's no better endorsement of the Give It A Try initiative if two girls have already come through and are now playing under 18 for Munster. So uh, some parents will be getting very excited with their four and five-year-olds. But let's let them enjoy it first on the Give It A Try. But yes, I've seen that across social media. And uh, if you Google Give It A Try, you'll get all the details and information that you possibly need. And we'll keep track of that and how well it's going over the couple of week, of the next couple of weeks. I thought things were slowing down, Wendy. Clearly they're not uh, at international, interprovincial, club level, at schools level. We're going to be talking for another few weeks yet here about Munster Women's Rugby, but I'm delighted to say that that's uh, something I'm going to look forward to. Once again, thank you for uh, covering a huge amount of ground there, uh, as I said, across international, domestic and club and schools level. And we'll have more again from you next week here on The Big Red Bench. Thanks a million, Jer. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Resident Red FM Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me on The Big Red Bench to discuss all the latest on and off track Formula One headlines around the 2023 season. You can find more of Sarah McKenzie Foley's expert Formula One analysis on her active social media accounts on YouTube, Sarah McKenzie F1, Instagram, MacGram underscore, and on Twitter, MacTweets underscore. Now, it is a quiet time between uh, Formula One Grand Prix weekends uh, until uh, uh, later in the month. But in the interim, as always, there's plenty of off-track topics to discuss. And who better than a resident Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley, to join us here on the Big Red Bench to take us through some of those off track topic. Sarah, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm uh, struggling in this F1 spring break, but we're <laughs> nearly there now, so I'll make it to the end, I'm sure. 
Yes, you mentioned uh, spring break in, uh, in, in, in quotes uh, about this particular time of year. It is a bit strange because it starts so early and then there is a kind of a two or three week break before we hit the next Grand Prix. But one of the things that has uh, something, uh, a topic that is uh, close to your heart and something that you've also got a video out about at the moment and you, I'll let you tell our listeners where they can find that is to do with the F1 Academy and what is happening and what is happening between that and the W Series and the connection between that. Yeah, so we chatted a fair bit on the podcast last year about the W Series, which is, or was, I should say, a female-only route into Formula One. Now, it wasn't under the Formula One umbrella, and that's where I think a big, big part of the benefit of the F1 Academy versus the W Series comes in, because the F1 Academy has been developed directly under the Formula One umbrella, and that comes with many, many benefits, obviously lots of red tape as well, but I think in the end it's going to be more beneficial than not. And essentially there's going to be five teams in total of racing. Each team has three drivers, so three cars, uh, which is slightly different from obviously the format that we're used to seeing. And there's going to be a total of 21 races across seven weekends in 2023. And they're actually going to be running at the US Grand Prix in Austin as well. So they're going to be kind of it's, it's sort of a test run for them, really, because next year in 2024, the goal is that they will step up and only be a support race for the Formula One Grand Prix, which is kind of a spot that W Series had got themselves to, but then obviously couldn't, couldn't maintain that essentially because of financial issues. So you've got uh, 15 young, hungry, talented drivers, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Um, you've surmised it very well there and you've also mentioned the fact that one of the downfalls of the W Series were the financial constraints as you've mentioned before and we've talked about on the Big Red Bench. What makes this different in terms of the F1 Academy? I mean, I think the good news is that there's a, a, a good volume of races already put onto the roster mm. and the calendar so there's investment if there's people thinking of investing the, and the alignment with the United States as well is hugely important. Are you confident that this is more likely to be successful than the W Series is? And if so, why? I am. I, I think the W Series, in a sense, tried to do too much too soon. You know, they came out with a larger number of teams. You know, okay, they followed the two-driver format, but it was still more teams. And they sort of, they tried it with everyone being on the, the same team, quote-unquote, and then they split it into multiple teams and brought people like, you know, Caitlyn Jenner and, you know, all these external investors in. And I think it just wasn't enough, you know, it just, the sort of core approach was not strong or clear enough. And I think they just immediately tried to be the female version of F2 or F3 or, you know, the female version of a lot of these things. And I think, unfortunately, you you can't, when it is women in motorsport, you just can't conjure that up immediately. It just doesn't happen that way you kind of have to do it in baby steps. And I think the fact even that the F1 Academy is not out there in at the forefront, you know, in support of these F1 Grand Prix in the first year is actually a great thing. I think it gives, you know, the drivers a sense of, it's almost like a career path really. And a sense of kind of, okay, here's your, here's your set of goals for year one. And this is the reward in year two. And I think if they can do that and keep following that format and, you know, increasing the the kind of visibility, I think that will, it will work out in the end. 
Yes, and I would agree with you on that. And I think the other side of this is, as, as we've spoken about before, the fact that there's a, a calendar, there's a roster of drivers, there's teams. There's This is the attract the investment kind of idea. And, and, you know, something like Netflix, again, if they do another Drive to Survive series, this is something that could really delve into like good backstories with drivers trying to make it, trying to make that next step. I think that's kind of the thing that might appeal to an American audience as well. I'm starting to piece together why this decision has been made. I mean, obviously it's down to money and, uh, and, and obviously uh, advertising. And relationships, I think as well within yes. F1, you know, yeah. there's, it, it's so hard to break that circle. And if you, if you're breaking it from the inside, as it were, it's a lot easier because yeah. you, you know, you have that leverage to, to kind of enter those conversations with already being one to that F1, sort of in the F1 family, shall we say, mm. whereas the W Series was always coming in as an outsider. Yeah. Um, and it just never quite, never quite worked out. Now, I should say there has been no official statement that the W Series is not continuing. However, uh, many W Series drivers have gone to the F1 Academy and a lot of others, unfortunately, are without a seat at all in any series this year. So, it's uh, it's not looking like it will be making a return. Yes, and that is disappointing because, again, we, we've talked about markets, we've talked about investment, we've talked about TV, we've talked about promoting the sport and expanding the promotion of the sport. And I think at W Series, we both agreed at the time, it was a hugely positive idea. Maybe too much too soon and maybe lessons have been learned, but hopefully not the end of it because there is a wealth in every other sport we cover on the Big Red Bench and just every other sport going at the moment. Rugby, hockey, soccer, um, Gaelic games, Women are now, uh, there's as many women as men playing. There's as many schoolgirls as schoolboys getting involved. And why not F1? Why not uh, an entry in a pathway for young women? Certainly, if not through the W Series, through other avenues to keep all of that going. And I think over time, I think that will be revisited. And I think it will be a positive thing to do that because there are definitely talented young female drivers out there. Um, and an avenue, maybe if it's not the academy, but certainly through another pathway. But um, as you've all more than, uh, as you've very well outlined, line there it is going to come down to sponsorship and again money money will make all these things happen and tv rights and whatnot but we'll keep an eye on that it's good positive news about the f1 academy anyway in a in a, in a quiet week uh to finish we have another story uh that has been kind of bubbling along nicely i think since uh, since the start of the season it's fair to say our own favorite here uh, max verstappen reigning world champion going very well for for red bull obviously at the minute but he's made some interesting comments sarah that have uh, made people sit up and take notice over the last week yeah, so we've we've doubled the number of sprint races that are happening this season from last season, and I think I think the majority of fans would agree that we're not the biggest supporters generally of sprint races. I think the idea of it makes sense to me. You want to have action every day of the weekend for fans that are showing up and fans that are watching, but it just never really kind of met the expectation, and I think it creates this sort of strange scenario for the teams where they're kind of thinking okay there is something at stake here but is it worth you know damaging the car is it worth it's it's just very strange kind of risk and not very clear reward so Max Verstappen as you say has spoken out uh, against having more sprint races and the next race coming up is Baku which is a very tight street circuit and I understand what he's saying because in places like that you know for example in a Monaco as well that's kind of guaranteed damages for at least one or two of the teams, you know, and many of them don't have the the resources to to deal with that or even to turn it around again for the next day because you still have qualifying. So 
I, you know, he's kind of said really that if F1 keeps playing around with the format and they keep deviating from what you might call the the purest form of a Formula One weekend, he's not interested in sticking around for that. And he suggested that he'd be, it would be enough actually to push him to leave the sport, which is a pretty big statement um, to make. And to be honest, I do actually believe him. I don't mm. think it's guff. I think he's he is a Formula One purist, really. That's I, I think that's fair to say. And I just don't think he's interested in, like I say, taking any kind of risk for something that doesn't involve really a win or a big reward, what he sees as enough of a reward. Um, well, considering his dad caused so many crashes back in the day, uh, <laughs> yes, I, 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 I've taken my time to warm to Max. Uh, yeah. But I do appreciate, like you've outlined very succinctly in previous episodes as well, why he's such a good driver. And I've been listening to you, the expert, and I'm kind of looking at him differently because of that. There's a calmness that you have to have as a champion. Now you just can't jump down the throat of every first awkward question of every little incident that might come your way. You have a target on your back and he knows that. And I found, I actually agree with you. I think he's got a point. If you keep tampering with the rules for the sake of making the thing look more competitive and for sake of making the thing more appreciative to maybe audiences don't normally watch it. You can only go so far with that. Um, Formula One is about the fastest car, the best designs and uh, the best teams. Simple as that. Fastest car around the, around the track. He has the fastest car. He is the fastest driver. And I also think he, uh, he now realises his worth. That if the world mm. champion were to walk away from F1, that is not a good look at yeah. all. Um, and I think there is weight to his comments as world champion. And I agree with you. I, I do actually think he would do that where he'd go. I have no idea, but I do actually think he's somebody of that mind that would do that. Um, and I think it might cause some pause for thought in the F1 hierarchy. Would you agree? Yeah. And I think, you know, they, they have heard it from fans too. So it's, and definitely teams like, you know, you look at your Haas, people like that. I think you know, they spoke recently in, in kind of hard numbers about the amount of damage that uh, Mick Schumacher did to his cars last year and the fact that, you know, when you sustain enough damage from a financial sense, it basically means you can't race anymore or you can't race at a higher level than what you're currently at. You're sort of stuck there. And I think that doesn't benefit anyone. You know, that that's not really, that's not benefiting the teams, it's not benefiting the fans. And I think this is another one of those scenarios where the money is talking and you know, they're talking about getting rid of free practice entirely. I think there's a lot of conversations happening. I think it might just be better if we didn't hear about them until the the thought was more well-formed or, you know, things were, there was a better kind of argument behind it. They seem to just be throwing out ideas to the wolves and we know, we know how passionate F1 fans are and uh, you're never going to get a sort of vanilla response though so i think it's it's kind of dangerous to be throwing out ideas that that they really aren't sure i genuinely don't think they're sure no i don't think they're it. sure at all i don't think they know no. what they're doing <laughs> well look um considering it's been such a quiet week and we lead uh the next time we, we the next time we uh, on the big red bench with sarah mckenzie folio resident f1 expert we'll be previewing the uh, Baku or the Azerbaijan Grand Prix which takes place at the Baku City Circuit takes place on Sunday April the 30th at 12 noon GMT time um, considering it's been so quiet we've still managed to cover a lot of topics right there now Sarah so uh, excellent stuff as always and we'll have, we'll, we'll, we'll analyse Max's comments at that Grand Prix a little closer I think the whole world will be interesting to hear what he has to say but between now and then where can we find your F1 material? 
Yeah, so as you mentioned at the top, I have a video out that is going to give folks that are interested even more information about the F1 Academy and also a kind of deeper comparison between it and the W Series. So if you go on YouTube and you search Sarah McKenzie F1, you'll find that video there uh, at the top of my page. And you can also find me on uh, Twitter at MacTweets underscore. Excellent stuff, Sarah. We will talk to you again and do a preview of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix on the Big Red Bench. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. Monster Hockey PRO Graham Catchpole rejoins me on this week's Big Red Bench to recap the latest Monster Women's Hockey, Monster Division 1, EY League, Schools, Interpros and International News. Plus, we take a look ahead to upcoming women's hockey fixtures. Another hectic period of Munster women's hockey. So there's only one person to talk to, and that is the PRO and the man who has all the answers and uh, a lot more questions like myself. Graham Catchpole back here on the Big Red Bench. Graham, how are you? I'm good, Jar. How about you? Good. Good to talk to you again. Um, this, 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 year, this year's Munster hockey, women's hockey season between the EY1, EY2, and certainly the women's Munster Division 1, um, it's not that it's... Sometimes leagues can seem to go on forever, but these leagues have been so intriguing and so interesting and we're still not finished necessarily because there's still some results. And as we record this, there's still some fixtures to be played tonight. It has been, um, from your point of view and the committee's point of view, just wanted to ask before we get into it, this has been, I mean, from the outside looking in and reporting on it, an especially entertaining year. Lots of goals, lots of positive results from most of the Munster uh, entrants in EY1-2 and Munster Women's Division 1, obviously. Um, is that how you'd read it as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, first of all, in, in Munster Women's Division 1, it's been probably the closest title race we've had in mm-hmm. in a very long time. Um, and, and not just, I suppose, two teams fighting it out, but certainly, you know, all the ways down as far as the team in fifth, um, I suppose, fighting it out throughout the season with results kind of going, you know, um, not as you'd normally expect them, which is which is what you want to see, a good competitive mm-hmm. league like that. So it's been really good in Munster Division 1. In EY2, you know the monster, the monster teams representing you know UCC and C of I have been have been very strong and have competed very strongly throughout the season in that um, as have um, Harlequins as well um, and um, then in EY one um, you know Catholic Institute fighting right up to the last day as well for the for the title there so you know a really uh, a really strong showing I suppose both uh, domestically and and um, nationally I suppose for for the monster teams. Yeah, and you've summed it up well there. You've mentioned all the main protagonists. And as we spoke, the Munster Women's Division 1, last Thursday night there was a significant result because Cork Harlequins had already just about been crowned champions after a fantastic year-long battle. But there were still significant results and games to go for other positions for EY2 for the following season. Tell us what happened last Thursday night. So, so last Thursday, UCC were were hosting Ashton, um, and and in a situation whereby they knew if they they won the game, that they just needed a, a draw in the final match against uh, Church of Ireland to to qualify for EY two. Um, the the game was very very closely fought throughout. Um, UCC going ahead through through Sarah Murphy with with I think her first goal of the season after coming back from injury, um, and. and uh, right up to the end, um, Ashton fought and, and got a short corner almost on the final whistle uh, and equalised through Kiro too. So the game ended one all, um, probably going against the, the form book, I suppose, if, if, if you look at the, the table as well. But again, another one of those results in a season that there's been plenty of uh, very close fixtures and close results. Um, a great result for Ashton, I suppose, and and um, and one, I suppose, they, they, they probably um, richly deserve for the, 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 I suppose, the momentum 
season that they've had throughout the year. But um, it, it put UCC in a, in a tricky spot, I suppose, going into the final game um, against Church of Ireland. It basically made that game a, a winner-takes-all. Um, and that game then was played on Saturday. And, and UCC clearly um, showed up on the day and ended up winning that game uh, 5-0. Um, Amy Stokes with two, Abby O'Mahony with one, Jane Murphy with one, and Elva Kerr. So that means next season UCC will compete yet again in, in EY2 along with uh, Cork Harlequins. Yeah, excellent stuff. And look, for, let's, as you mentioned, the fact that the women's Munster Division won the top five positions, Bandon, Ashton, Ashton who were in fourth, CFI in third, and obviously the winners, Cork Harlequins, UCC, uh, being held by Ashton in a, in a must-win game and then bouncing back and getting the result that they needed to get into EY2. And congratulations to uh, UCC on that. But let's let's tip the hat as well here to Ashton for putting in the effort that they did. And, uh, you know, for CFI, they didn't really have... Um, you know they were coming up against a very determined UCC clearly on on the following on the following Saturday, but they've not had a bad season either. I mean they finished third just outside those top two. So again we're reiterating again the quality and the depth of this particular year of women's monster division one, which is going to be even better next year with UCC now up and Carlwins up as well. You're going to have renewed you know threats from C of I, from Ashton, from Bandon. May who knows maybe even Blackrock, Waterford, and Belvedere can can take you know uh, inspiration from this, but um. In such yeah, a de- definitely, to, uh, and 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 a lot can change throughout the the summer months as well. Um, you'll have obviously UCC uh, naturally have players coming in and going out, so there'll be a couple of players maybe going back to the clubs they used to play for before, and likewise there'll be there'll be players from some of those clubs moved to to UCC. Um, so there will be a bit of movement in terms of personnel over the summer as well, um, and e- even beyond that as well. So, so sometimes players will will move from other clubs maybe to try and play. A, a higher division so you know it, 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 it's been a, such a competitive league this year and, and certainly already I suppose we're, we're probably looking forward to the start of the 23-24 the mm. season um, so yeah it, it promises to be another exciting year next year It certainly does won't be finished and we're looking forward already um, Also on Saturday Graham, the women's EY1 playoff quarter final between Catholic Institute and Pembroke went Institute's way yeah, su- superb result for, for Institute and um, puts them into the finals weekend, which is on this weekend. So Catholic Institute winning at home 1-0 against Pembroke Wanderers. Um, a very cagey game. Um, Rebecca Barry with the with the, with the the only goal of the, 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 the match. Um, um, uh, 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 her first goal in, in, in quite a while, actually. So good to see her back on the on the score sheet. Um, but yeah, it sets up an interesting weekend for, for, um, for Catholic Institute now who travelled to Havelock Park up in up in the north of Ireland um, to play a two-day tournament, hopefully. Um, they will face uh, UCD in the semi-final um, and all going well. Hopefully, um, Catholic Institute will be fighting for the Champions Trophy final on Sunday, either against Loretto or Old Alex. Um, so, uh, an exciting weekend of, of, of hockey for Catholic, Catholic Institute and we, we wish them all the best. We do indeed. We'll follow up on that on next week's uh, on next week's show to see how they got on. There was also an EY2 playoff semi-final but uh, not a good result for Harlequins yeah unfortunately our Harlequins coming unstuck against a very very strong mm-hmm. Corinthian side in Dublin um, on Saturday um, in fairness I was watching this match on, on online and um, you know Harlequins were going right up to the last couple of minutes um, in fact um, in the last two minutes they they pulled their keeper uh, so with 11 outfielders they really went gung-ho unfortunately got got caught on the break just on the final whistle and, and ended up conceding one more uh, Yvonne Byrne 
Byrne adding two goals to her, to her tally in, in this match, but unfortunately coming on stuck four two in the end. Um, so that ends their their season in EY two. Um, but um, you know it's been a very very strong season for for a team with a mix of of, of I suppose more experienced players and some very very young players as well. So um, they'll go again next year and hopefully all the stronger for it. Yeah, and uh, as you said, like uh, Corinthians have had a fantastic season in EY two as well. They were up against the best, one of the best teams in that, along with Ulster Elks, who've who've been at the top of their particular pool. So look, no disgrace in that at all. And as you said, a very very good experience for them looking ahead to next year. As we record this uh, tonight, there are two monster Division One fixtures, uh, Graham, coming to the end of that particular campaign. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Harlequins play play Blackrock. Um, there, there, there's not a lot to play for. Harlequins have won the league already. Um, Blackrock um, are, are probably just playing to secure that that sixth place. But Harlequins will be will be hot favourites in that one. Uh, the one that 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 maybe would be a small bit more more interesting is between Ashton and Bandon, mm. who are only separated by a point. So essentially, both clubs now playing for for fourth place tonight. So it's always been a very very close encounter between these two sides. Um, so yeah. Uh, no doubt tonight's match will be will be no different. Yes, and uh, they've been neck and neck all season. Ashton going into the game in fourth, a point clear abandoned, as you said. And uh, Harlequins as well, uh, completing their league fixture as having already claimed the title. Black Rock down in sixth. There are two other big games this Saturday, Graham. One is the Division 1 Cup Final and the other is at the opposite end of the Division 1 relegation playoff. Yeah, so the Division One Cup final will take place um, on Saturday in 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 Middleton uh, College um, between Church of Ireland and Harlequins. Um, Harlequins again will will be will be probably the the slight favourites, but but Church of Ireland have have beaten Harlequins earlier this season in the league, so it will be it will be a very close uh, uh, Division One Cup final. Of course, the Division One Cup is is that is that trophy for for those clubs, I suppose, outside of EY One that that compete in Division One, um, and so. Um, I think it's it's actually C of I are looking to to retain that title this year. So it uh, will be an interesting encounter, certainly, and a, and a good cup final at stake. Um, at the other end of the table, I suppose, Belvedere are in eighth place in the Munster Division 1. And uh, Crescent finished um, second in Munster Division 2. Um, and, and by virtue of, I suppose, the fact that they are the highest placed um, first team in Division 2, they get a chance to get into Munster Division Division one uh, via this playoff, so it will be a very close game. Crescent have have played one or two Division one teams in the cups earlier this year and have actually come out victorious. So uh, it will be a very close game, I would say, between between Belvedere, who are a very established Division one club, and and Crescent, who are only in existence a couple of years. Um, so it, it it'll be all to play for, I suppose, on the day. Yeah, excellent. So good luck in the cup final and good luck to those two teams in the relegation playoff as well. We'll have, uh, we'll have details of those games and of course the EY Champions Trophy this weekend as Graham outlined there. Good luck to Catholic Institute in that and hopefully they'll do well in that. We finish up, uh, just before we finish up this, uh, this week, we've got a very, very important announcement because the Senior Men's and Women's Player of the Year nominees for the season 2022-2023 have been not, have been announced. And from our point of view, we're very, very interested in the Senior Women's Player of the Year nominees because one of these players is going to be voted Overall Player of the Year on the night of the Monster Hockey Awards. Graham, first of all, can you tell us who the five are and uh, tell us just a little bit more about the awards night itself? 
Yeah, so the awards night will be will be happening early May and in the in in um, um, the international hotel in 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 Cork. Um, and I suppose we we've just announced the the senior women nominees. We will be announcing the the under eighteen nominees in, in the coming days. No doubt we'll speak about that yes. um, next week, Ger. Um, so the nominees this year: Quiva Purdue from UCC, Michelle Barry from Cork Harlequins, Rachel Barry from Bandon, uh, and Robin Murphy from from Ashton, and Roisin Upton from from Catholic Institute. Um, all have had absolutely superb seasons with their clubs, um, some with their country as well, and with their province. So, you know, all worthy nominees. I suppose if we if we walk through them, maybe just briefly, Quiva mm-hmm. uh, Purdue, um, I suppose well known to the show here, has represented Ireland um, at, at senior level over the past uh, past couple of seasons, and has had a very very strong showing with uh, with UCC this year. Michelle Barry, who would have been an Ireland under twenty one international. Um, has a very strong season with Harlequins and has been the captain and obviously have spoken on, on this show before and has been a driving force um, in Harlequins' success this year. Uh, Rachel Barry is is the Bandon um, goalkeeper and has had, uh, I suppose, representative at under-21 level for, for, for Munster in, in the past and has an, ap- an absolute uh, absolutely superb season for for Bandon between the between the sticks, um, and and is always a a worthy uh, op- opponent in 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 a shootout. Um, Robin Murphy, who has uh, I suppose represented Ashton uh, this year, um, has made the Irish under twenty one team this year. Um, I suppose she was actually uh, young player of the year um, last year in, in Munster. So continuing her good form with with Ashton um, and Roisin Upton, who I suppose we we all know very well at this stage, a very established um, senior international with with uh, with Ireland, and um, again the driving force behind Catholic Institute's success this year. So all very worthy nominees yeah good luck picking a winner from that because uh, that, that's the thing the way you were describing each of them we've become very familiar with each of those players over the course of the season thanks to your input here and, and the Munster hockey women's hockey that we featured on the big red bench and like as you were talking there I was kind of going yeah that that, could, that person could win it that, I, go, I don't know who's going to win this so that, that's it that, that's an interesting result on the night but uh, five very worthy uh, uh, nominees and I think we'd agree on that and also looking forward as well of course to the under 18 nominations because we can talk about those next week but fantastic for those five players I think to receive the accolade of just being uh, nominated which is prestigious enough I know each of them will want to win it because they're all from from speaking to most of them they are natural born winners but um, not an easy decision on the night Graham yeah, and we have a selection committee of, of, of five, I suppose, that will be making the, the ultimate decision and um, had plenty of input from, from coaches as well throughout. So I uh, haven't come to a final decision yet, but, um, you know, um, all, all, all the all, all the women involved have, have got plenty of votes and accolades and um, yeah, they'll, they'll all want the award secretly, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, so we'll see who it goes to um, come early May. Yes, and the very best of luck to each of those nominees. Very, very well deserved. And, uh, you know, again, underlining the quality of the season when you see the quality of the nominees of the players' years and for the under-18s that we're about to hear. And the men's as well. Good luck to all of those. We finish this week, as we always do, with the women's top scores, monster scores charts. Now, there are a couple of games to go, so who knows what might happen. I'm not going to say anything. We're just going to just go look at it. But uh, we'll go from the 12th place up. Emily O'Leary on Ashton has eight goals, as does Naomi Carroll of Catholic Institute. Then in 10th place, Quiver Purdue of UCC with 10. 10 goals. Julia McCarthy from Cork Harlequins is 10 goals. In 8th place, Kira Sexton 
of CFI has 14, as does Olivia Roycroft of Bandon, and as does Kate Harvey of Ashton. In fifth, Yvonne O'Byrne of Cork Harlequins is 16, along with Abby O'Mahony of UCC and Michelle Barry of Cork Harlequins. In second place at the moment in those standings, Emma O'Sullivan was at a very, very good end to the season with UCC. She's on 19, but out in front, as she has been for some time. Beth Ann O'Farrell of Cork Harlequins, 21 goals in all competitions. Fantastic result thus far. We're near the end. We're not there just yet, but we're near the end. But this has definitely proven, I think, along with the leagues and the players, this has been intriguing because we've had a few different people's names at the top of the scoring charts. And much like the nominees for the Player of the Year award, Graham, you and I both know that anyone in that top four or five wants to win that. Top scorers, sorry. There's definitely pride at stake there. And um, yeah, I think um, no matter matter what they say, they they absolutely want these uh, individual awards as much as it's a team sport. Indeed, and uh, and on that note, uh, we'll call it uh, another fantastic week's roundup for Graham Catchpole Monster Women's Hockey, uh, Monster Hockey PRO, uh, here on the Big Red Bench. Looking forward to next week. Now, when we review both the Division One Cup Finals, the relegation playoffs, the EY Championship Trophy Semi-Finals and Finals, and the final round of Monster Division One fixtures, as well as we'll have details of the Under Eighteen Player of the Year nominations as well. So, lots to look forward to next week. But once again, as ever, thank you for your time and all your information, Graham Catchpole. Thanks a million, The Big Red Bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Now, what a fantastic weekend it was for both the Cork LGFA Under-16A and Under-16B panels who each claimed Munster LGFA titles. Mallow was the venue for a weekend of several Munster finals uh, in the Under-16 grade, which were decided uh, over Saturday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, involving each county in the province. Now, on Sunday, the Cork Under-16s recorded a terrific Munster Under-16A Munster final win over Tipperary, a provincial decider in which Cork were 1-3 to not 5 behind at the break. Improving as the second half progressed, Cork fought back to register a 2-12-1-6 win and now have an All-Ireland Under-16A semi-final against this year's Leinster champions to look forward to on Wednesday, July the 5th. Kate Carey made her presence felt in an evenly fought provincial matchup. The rising Island Rover star arrowed in two sublime goals. Um, to turn the game in Cork's favour. Mornabby's Laura Walsh had another terrific game in a Cork jersey and she scored not seven of her side's winning total. O'Donovan Ross's Ava O'Donovan also played particularly well and contributed four points as did Bishop's own Joanna Foskin who added a point. I'm delighted with the win for this group of girls and we are looking forward to the All-Ireland semi-final Cork under 16A manager Kieran Roche said shortly after the final whistle. He said I asked the girls to put in a performance today and have no regrets coming off the field. They did that in the second half. Going forward we'll need to improve on this if we have any chance of competing in an All-Ireland semi-final. We have a few challenge matches coming up and the girls will also be starting a block of strength and conditioning over the next eight weeks to prepare for that All-Ireland semi-final. So well done to Kenneth O'Shea and the Cork under 16As and that panel uh, that one last weekend's Munster final was as follows Andrea Toy from St. Michael's Emer Walsh Morn Abbey Ali Tobin O'Donovan Rossa Ashling O'Sullivan was the captain from Dunamore Rachel Breen from Morn Abbey Maisie McRae from uh, Florida uh, Megan Barrett from Aaron's Own Johanna Foskin from Bishopstown, Kate McEntee from Valley Rovers, and then the forward line, Ava Nagel from Aaron's Own, Quiva Horgan from Kinsale, Catherine Murphy from Kinsale, Kate Carey from Island Rovers, Laura Walsh, Abbey, Sophie O'Shea from Ballygarvan, Jenny O'Neill from Aaron's Own, Ashling Leahy from St. Michael's, Eva Sheehan from Douglas, Aoife O'Driscoll from O'Donovan Rossa, Kira Kelleher from St. Val's, Ava O'Donovan from O'Donovan Rossa, Katie Ferns from Drum Tariff, Lily O'Shea from St. Val's, Maisie O'Callaghan from Kinsale, Neve Hartnett from Aaron's Own, Orla Drummy from Aaron's Own, Rebecca 
Fian from Fermoy, Sarah Barry from St. Michael's and Sarah O'Farrell from Glanworth and Ella Burns from Granada. Banish Shores, as I said, is Kieran O'Shea and the mentors on the under 16A team. Martin Nagel from Aaron's own, John Holly from St. Michael's, Roisin Long from Nemo Rangers and Josephine Carey uh, from Island Rovers. Now, at the same Malu venue, uh, John Callan and Kenneth Burns' under 16Bs faced off against Limerick in a Munster LGFA Sharon O'Keefe B decider on Saturday afternoon. The Shannon Siders proved more than a match for their opponents throughout an engaging final in which Evie O'Connor, Gemma Leahy and Caitlin Moriarty points made it 0-4-0-1 to Limerick with Valley Rover Shona Cronin free on target for Cork during the opening quarter. The second 15 minutes uh, saw Cork rally with Cronin and Lauren Finnegan adding white flags prior to Claude O'Faherty firing low into the net. Cork uh, turned uh, changed ends at that stage uh, having been behind for most of the half 1-3-0-4 ahead. Shona Cronin and two even O'Connor efforts kept the scoreboard ticking over early in the second half before Theresa Dorgan burst through um, and substitute Searsha Moynihan and Cassandra Fitzgerald scores, plus a Laura Scannell effort, edge Cork 1-8-6 in front. A terrific finale saw Shona Cronin free, preceded a superb even O'Connor goal at the opposite end for Limerick. Level 1-10-2-7, Cork dug deep with substitute Cleena McNamara finding the net with three minutes left, and a Coughlin replied with a Limerick point before a late Cassandra Fitzgerald free put the seal on a fantastic 2-11-2-8 Cork victory. So well done to John Callan, Kenneth Burns, the Cork under 16B is a real, real tough battle uh, with Limerick in Mallow last Sunday but they came out on top in the end to win that one by three points 2-11-2-8 and take the Munster under 16 B title that Cork panel that won that title Molly Buckley uh, from Dunhamore Sky Fielding from Carrigline Grainne O'Neill uh, Kilchanick and Captain Ava Ashman from Inch Rovers Jimmy Young from Air Oak Avril O'Sullivan from Rock Bond, and Ali Hayes from Air Oak midfielders were Sophie O'Reilly from St. Michael's and Theresa Dorgan from Rock Bond. and the forward line Lauren Finnegan from Mord Abbey Laura Scannell from Glanmire Ellen Connolly from Castlehaven Shona Cronin from Valley Rovers Sally Murray from Douglas and Claude O'Flaherty from Bride Rovers Ella Hayes from O'Donovan Rossa Quiva Toomey Neva Vaughan Cassandra Fitzgerald Nemo Rangers Chloe Kent from Aaron's Own Cleena McNamara from Dunhamore Ellie Mulcairns from Glanmire, Holly Brickley, O'Donovan Rossa, Lily Desmond McCroom, Saoirse Moynihan, Balancholic, Syra Kenna from Nemo Rangers, Saoirse Gould from Kilchanick, Taylor Ahern from Yall, and Tara O'Neill from Inch Rovers. Banished Shores, as I said, Kenneth Burns and John Callan, both from the Granada Club. Fellow mentors, Gerard Scannell from Glanmire and Father Terry O'Brien from Kilmacabee. And the FLO uh, flow was Nicole Hickey from Glanmire. So a fantastic win, as I said, for the Cork Under-16Bs. And let's get some aftermatch reaction now from the Cork Under-16B co-manager, Kenneth Burns, and captain for the day who got to lift that trophy, uh, Inch Rovers, Ava Ashman. I am here with the victorious Cork Under-16 captain, Ava Ashman, and one of the co-managers, Kenneth Burns, following Cork's fantastic Munster LGFA final 2-11-2-8 victory over Limerick. Ava, first to you, congratulations. Um, how tough a game was that? Um, yeah, it was a really tough game. We knew Limerick would put it up to us, and they really did, and we had to keep going to the end, and the match was close all the way to the end, so they're a great opposition. And from your own point of view, what's it been like training with this group throughout the year? Oh, it's been an absolutely brilliant experience. Um, I can't give the girls enough credit. They're a great team. Um, we, the dedication was great, and I think we've come so much as a team from the very first time we played. We've developed brilliantly. Um, you're glad that they created this Munster Championship for the second tier of under-16 players. It gave you an outlet to play the wear the famous Cork jersey. You must be very proud. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a great honour to wear the Cork jersey, and it gave it all enough, another lot of us a chance the, with the B tournament. So I think it was a great success, and we all very much appreciate it. How hard were the coaches on you this year? Um, they were harder than they needed to be on us, <laughs> and to be fair, they have definitely brought us along, so it was good. But we had great crack as well, so it was all great. 
Well done and congratulations on winning a provincial championship uh, and for captaining Cork. Thank you very much. Right, I'll turn to Kenneth Burns, though, uh, one of the co-managers. Um, look, this has been a, a tournament uh, gave a panel of players an opportunity to show what they could do and keep them in the mind of the under-16 coaches, uh, both A and B. It's been a success in that regard. Yeah, it's been a fabulous success. It's a great honour to, to, to be a coach for this panel, but it's an amazing achievement for the Munster LGFA to put together this uh, under-16B process for all of the counties, to have so many players uh, in all of the counties uh, playing very well, uh, playing football at a high level and developmentally uh, improving their game. Um, from your own point of view as well, you had a big panel, not an easy thing to do, but you made important substitutions at, time, at uh, important times today. Cassandra Fisher coming on, making a big impact and uh, a late goal from another substitute as well. Yes, the late goal was by Kleena. It was a, <clears throat> they were a fabulous uh, panel of players. It's very difficult uh, at this level to be choosing the top 15, uh, but you have to have a top 15, but they were un- unbelievable impact subs. It's very difficult on the players who didn't get a game today, but they've had a, an amazing championship and all of the players across the whole panel have contributed in all of the games and a particular credit to Limerick today it was a cracking match yeah they really put it up to you and as you said each of the counties having it just shows the popularity of ladies football that you've got two panels at under 16 level uh, sure yeah it shows the popularity and hopefully this uh, this uh, tournament will grow as the years go on and hopefully uh, maybe development developing into a, a national championship we certainly hope so Ava just finish with you from your point of view um, as a player an opportunity as we said to wear the Cork jersey is always important but the fact that you had a whole championship to play how important do you think that is? Um, I think it's, it's very important it keeps girls very interested in sport um, it's, it is a great honour to wear the Cork jersey and I think we all felt that so um, it's very proud moments for us and yeah it's great to get the opportunity well done and enjoy the celebrations tonight and however long they go on and we'll talk to you again soon well done a double header of Cork LGFA under 21 county finals delivered two terrific finals at the Bishopstown GAA Club's 4G pitch last Sunday in the curtain raiser two Laney O'Sullivan goals enabled the school to defeat Iban ladies and claim a Cork LGFA under 21D county title O'Sullivan handed the school the perfect start with a goal inside three minutes and Iban's defence was under intense pressure and conceded a penalty Cork senior Dana Canary was brought down but Claire Delay saved ID Hegarty's resulting spot kick. Boyed by that penalty save, Iban's uh, Kira McCarthy and Kira DC from a free reduced the deficit, and that was the school's cue to find another gear as Molly Carroll converted two frees before Laney O'Sullivan netted another sublime goal. Molly Carroll's third free and a Laney O'Sullivan point extended the East Cork Club's advantage, but admirably, the Timber League and Barry Row amalgamation enjoyed a positive end to the first half. Kira Collins split the post prior to Kira DC being denied a goal by goalkeeper Raina Sheehan. DC converted a free and watched a long range goal attempt both inches over the crossbar to make it 2-4-0-5 and Chloe Collins's injury time score edged the school six ahead at the break. Anya Hallahan returned to action following a first half injury and promptly scored her team's seventh point. The school suffered a setback when Laney O'Sullivan was yellow carded and substitute Evine McCure took advantage for Iban to make it 2 6 to 6. Despite being temporarily down to 14 players, the school moved further ahead when Hallahan's shot was tipped over by Claire Delay and the full forward quickly added her second point. The West Cork Club's attempts to mount a comeback were thwarted by poor shooting, however, before Evine McCure scored twice in quick succession to make it 2 7 to 8. The school lost Eilish Shegger to a yellow card shortly after being restored to their full complement before Kira DC netted a late goal for Iban two minutes from the end. It proved academic, however, as Liz Gould ran out, deserving winners at 2-7-1-8 following a cracking uh, under-21-D final. And the two teams on the day itself... 
the school, Rena Sheehan, Rachel Barry, Rachel Moynihan, Laura Murphy, who was captain, Kira Duggan, Claude Moynihan, Sophie Keller, Eilish Hegarty, Dara Canary, Molly Cullen, and, uh, Molly Carroll, Lainey O'Sullivan, Chloe Collins, Anya Hallen, and Siobhan Ahern. Gemma Collins, Lily Carroll, Carol Kelleher, Sarah Buckley, Shona Dunphy, Abby O'Driscoll, Lucy O'Sullivan, Ava Guiney, Orla Hickey, Claire McCarthy, uh, Julianne Kingston, Amy Savage, and Cara Sue. Clifford, the management team for the school were Brian Duggan, Vince O'Sullivan, Valerie Collins, Mary Duggan and Pam Whittle and their club sponsors were Handles and Hinges, Carol Window and Doors. Uh, our band ladies were uh, lined out as follows. Claire DeLay, Sinead Walsh, Alison McCarthy, Grace Flynn, Clodagh Holland, Sinead McCarthy, Sarah Harrington, Tara Fleming and Kieran McCarthy were in midfield and the forward line was Eleanor Reardon, uh, Captain Caitlin Deneen, Roisin Ivukula, Annie Condon, Kira Collins and Kira DC, Ashley McCure, Eveen McCure, Shona Hurley, Orla DC, Rachel Callan, and Quiven Ivukla and Alice O'Leary were the other IBAN players and the management team of Paul O'Callaghan, Tracy Fleming, Noel Walsh, Karen O'Callaghan and Trace Tobin. Their club sponsors, Foley Centra, Foley's Funeral Directors and Monumental Mason. So uh, commiserations to the West Cork Club and well done to the school and what was a very, very entertaining county decider. Now the second under-21 county final was the under-21C decider immediately afterwards on the 4G pitch between Rockbawn and Castlehaven. A rip-roaring start, talk how... Rockbourne amass 2-3 inside the opening 10 minutes. Taking advantage of some wayward Castlehaven kickouts, Jennifer Whelan and Sarah McGrath each found the net to hand the White Church Club a deserved lead. Their opponent's attempts to mount a comeback were thwarted by goalkeeper Kira O'Brien until Hannah Sheehy burst through for a superb Castlehaven goal. Kira Dennehy did likewise at the opposite end, denying Aideen Duggan a certain green flag. A free scoring second quarter saw Donovan, Laura Sullivan, Sarah McGrath move Rockbourne onto 2-7, but creditably Castlehaven improved as a half progressed and changed ends only two points behind. Thanks to Ellen Buckley, Ellie McCarthy and Eilish Bohan's accurate shooting. Second period was a much tighter affair with Castlehaven's defence restricting their opponents to a handful of opportunities. A rare defensive lapse, however, from Castlehaven allowed Jennifer Whelan in for her second goal and that would prove crucial to the final's outcome. It was 3-7 to 1-10 at the end of the third quarter with Neva Sullivan and Ellie McCarthy keeping the Haven in touch. And the closing 15 minutes and injury times football though was of the highest order with both teams contributing to a t- terrific finale. Hannah Sheehy scored three consecutive points and Rockbond Sarah McGrath rattled a crossbar as the side drew level with three minutes to go. Then Jennifer Whelan popped up with her and Rockbond's second and only point of the second half. Castlehaven had little option but to pour forward in search of a late equaliser that would have taken the county final extra time and the West Cork Club wasted three scoring opportunities before the final whistle eventually sounded and Rockbond emerged the narrowest of winners 3-8 to 1-13. That Rockbond team that won the under-21C county championship was as follows. Uh, Kira O'Brien Megan Maguire, uh, Sarah Hearn, Avril O'Sullivan, Leah Dunn, Liz McGrath, Sinead O'Leary, Laura O'Sullivan, Nikki Hosford, Danielle Hendley, Aideen Donovan, Maria O'Hurley, Sarah McGrath, Jennifer Whelan and Abby Toomey, Megan Flynn, Abby uh, Abby Toomey, Alice O'Connor, Cara O'Brien, Ruth Dillon, Ava O'Brien, Katie Shaw, Grace Doran, Maria O'Sullivan, Sarah Hegarty, Sarah O'Reilly, Ashley Hendley, Sheena Buckley, Caitlin Murphy, Ali O'Keefe, Keely Goulding, Laura O'Sullivan, Kira O'Reardon, Ava Callanan and Nessa Crowley. The management team was Matt Shaw, Kevin Maguire, Owen Amani, Kevin Goulding, Alan Whelan and Charlotte O'Sullivan with a first aid physio, Eilish McGrand. The club sponsors for Rockbourne on the day were White Church and Waterloo Community Association and the White Church and Carrig Navarre GAA clubs. The Castlehaven team that uh, came up short on the day, Kira Dennehy in goal, Neva Driscoll, Anya Daly, Kira French, Ellen Connolly, Laura Dunhu and Emma McCarthy at the back. Midfield, Ellen Buckley and Ellen Maguire. And the forward line of Hannah Sheehy, Ellie McCarthy, Grace O'Connell, Eilish Bohan, Neva Sullivan and Becca Sheehy. Aoife O'Donnell, Emma Buckley, Rhea Wilson, Sarah Donovan, Evine Callan, Kelly Pierce, Claire O'Mahony, Molly Callan, Kelly Daly, 
uh, Abby uh, Buckley, Caitlin O'Driscoll, Kate O'Connell, Jacinta Connolly and Ellen Higgy. The management team forecast Levin, Marie Buckley, Emma Daly, Margaret O'Regan, John McGuckin and Dinny Cahillan. Physiotherapist Shelley Deneen and the club sponsors for Castlehaven were West Cork Distillers. Right, let's get some reaction from both finals. First, we'll hear from um, Rockbond manager Alan Whelan and Castlehaven mentor John McGuckin following the under-21 county decider. Before that, here's the school's managers Vince O'Sullivan and Brian Duggan on their club's under-21D county final win. But here we go first with our first bit of audio is the Liz Goulds Cork senior footballer Dara Canary and captain Laura Murphy. I'm joined here by Liz Goulds, Laura Murphy and Dara Canary following their under-21D county final victory. Laura, captain, fantastic result for the club considering you've had a bit of heartache in recent times. What does this mean for this group of players? Absolutely brilliant result. It hasn't been easy the last two years the heads would go if we didn't get the win today it'll drive us on now for the rest of the year and it'll give a great boost to the club and to this good ladies football some battle you got from my band they really put it up to you Jesus they did they surely did we were expecting a tough now a tough competition and we're, we had to get it right now for the final for once uh, Dara Canary congratulations what does this mean you, you've represented your county but what does it mean winning a county title like this with your club oh sure it's unreal you know it's like the stereotypical thing everybody says it's lovely to win with girls you've been playing with forever and sure I remember going down to under sixes with the girls and sure it's all the same group Claire has gone to England but sure she's back now today for the final to support us and drive us on and you know it means so much to everybody personally and stuff Eilish is just back from breaking her wrist and you know it's a hard couple of weeks few months so it's great to be back and get a win for everybody um, It was on a 4G pitch today something you mightn't have encountered in the championship D- did you take a bit of time to get settled I know Elena got the girl early on but after that he took a while to settle Yeah but should the nerves as well near the start the first 10 minutes we were very shaky altogether but you know we played Mitchell's down on this pitch and it was a shaky enough or a bad day and you know the wind and the rain but it was a lovely day today and sure we love we're good for a bit of pace and stuff so it kind of helped us out in the end and they certainly put it up to you and they got that goal laid on were you getting a bit worried or had you done enough oh sure at half time we were we said we'd start from square one and we wouldn't get complacent at all but when the goal went in there all right there was a bit of panic the yellow cards you know sure you know yourself but in the end we got there and just finally uh, great support here today as well huge crowd oh we have a great village we're used to we're used to going supporting all the lads we've had a great few years the lads have had a great few years winning counties and East Corks and all the rest of it we've supported them so thank God a few of them came out here and everyone else that goes to their matches came out here to support us today well they're waiting for you there to continue the celebration so congratulations and enjoy the night thank you very much thanks very much I'm with the victorious list school mentors Brian Duggan and Vincia Sullivan following their under 21D county final win over Iben Brian first of all congratulations Iban made you work for it though. Oh, they did. They were um, they were outstanding. We were uh, we were really up against it, but we knew that coming out here. Any team coming from West Cork, we carried West Carby last week, and they were very good. But Iban really put it up to us, and uh, we were hanging on by our coattails. But we got there, and we're delighted. They're a great group of girls. Um, being honest with you, we were working like dogs for the last three months, and we've we've lost two county finals in junior. We lost the minor final, so they needed this, and hopefully we kick on now in the junior this year. Uh, those two Laney O'Sullivan goals, sublime goals that they were, proved crucial. Yeah, absolutely. And look, Brian said it to the girls at the start that we need to get goals against this team because they're very organised, they're very good, they play as a team. But I think those two goals did change it for us. Um, and then obviously, look, we played we played lots of part of the game. There were 14 men um, at two, two cents, but the goals dug in. And that was the most important thing. And look, that's the fight in them. They've been training since the end of January. And look, credit to them, they deserve to win today. We're delighted for them. And just finally, what does this mean for the club, winning an under-21 county title? Oh, it's huge. Like, you know, it's under-21, it's a D final, it is what it is. But we'd see girls here playing with the club since they're five and six years of age and they've stuck with it. So we're absolutely delighted. And this will be the milestone for the rest of the, the village here now to say, listen, 
we've a team here good enough to win a county final um, and it'll create uh, it'll bring on the younger girls as well to do more for the club so it's absolutely huge huge win for the club okay, congratulations to you both well done thanks very much sir. thanks, thanks sure. take care uh, Alan Whelan Rockbourne hold on to win the county final by a single point but you'll be the first to admit that Castlehaven really put it up to you but well done ah yeah listen Joe it was a great game two brilliant teams went end to end right in the start you know so the credit both teams was one winner but two fantastic teams and it's the way football should be played as you saw out there today yeah a rip roaring first half loads of scores but you only managed 1-1 one, one in the second half Jennifer Whelan but it was enough it was enough yeah it wasn't part of the plan but <laughs> you know games like that Castlehaven has had us on the back foot there most of the second half yeah. we couldn't seem to get out there a really good team we played them a number of years ago in the Junior B County Final and they've gone from the up to senior so they're a real strong outfit down there really doing well football is the religion on West as we all know but our girls thankfully were able to hold on there and some very young girls playing Nikki Hosford and you know, Ivy Toomey and, and girls like that, Avril, Avril Sullivan, and they've really shown great kind of maturity there today. You know? What does it mean? What will it do for the club? Oh, it's, it's fantastic. We won this competition four years ago just for COVID, and what it does is the younger girls integrate them into the adult level of the club, which is hugely important for us. And it shows them you know, the, the work that they're doing. There's a reward there for it as well, you know? But yeah, it's fantastic. Considering the grade, this was a really high-quality final. You'd hold your own as a grade up? We'd like, we'd like to have thought so. We'd like to think so. And, you know, but, you know, it's important for the girls. Momentum and winning things is fantastic as well. So we were working out with a lot of minors there, 16s on our junior team, so we can continue to progress, develop. And there's a great bunch of people involved in the club. They're working very hard on and off the pitch. So yeah. please, God, we keep that up. It's important for Cartier's football to have a competitive rock ball and you're coming back. We are. We are. We're working hard. We have a couple of girls back now. Valerie is back this year and Laura Crowley and girls yeah. like that have been involved in the past and it's great to have them because it, it gives the girls really something strong to aim but that standard but again like you see Castlehaven there we want to emulate what they've done in the last few years because they, they're, they're a standard bearer what they've done in the last number of years and all credit to them for that Excellent stuff Go and enjoy sure, Thanks a million thanks All the best Good to see you uh, John McGuckin obviously heartbreak for Castlehaven losing a county final by a point but by God did you put some effort in that second half uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're always kind of left speechless. I suppose we're used to winning, winning a lot of them. But uh, uh, look, first and foremost, it was a brilliant game. Yeah. A brilliant yeah. game between two brilliant teams. Um, do you know, we kind of felt we were probably lucky to be only two points behind at half time. Yeah. Um, we knew they threw a lot, a lot at us, and we were kind of hoping, you know, that all that energy ex- expanded would have, would have maybe um, stood us in the second half. And I think we probably found a second lease of life. Um, we had our opportunities and we just didn't take them, I suppose. You know, yeah. but um, yeah, look, fair play, credit must go to them. They're, they're a fantastic yeah. team. Yeah, Rockbond, you held them to 1 1 in the second half, but it was those mistakes that left them in for the scores to prove costly. But the way he improved in the second half, the way he tightened up as well, I mean, it's 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 not going to feel like it now, but it will, something to build on. Oh, yeah, look, absolutely. And I mean, look, it's one of those things, you know, we always try and, and, and make it that you're not learning from session to session or week to week that, you know, half to half that you can learn, you can learn from things and we tweak things, you know. And yeah, yeah, look, we, we, we conceded a couple of a couple of soft goals we know there could have been more but I mean um, you know and I, and I said it to Kira as well half time mistakes happen probably a hundred mistakes out there all over the pitch uh, a goalie's mistake sort of seems to be highlighted more but there was loads of mistakes that, that ended up in, in scores there and I mean look we really learned from that we, we, we had better movement in the kickouts for the second half and you know we just always said let's take the game to them so 
Um, a lot of these players we're going to see at junior and senior level not, in not too not too long from now, um, and they look like they're ready for it. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think a big thing is that we're all training kind of as one panel. Um, you know, and and those senior girls that have come up through the ranks and and have been playing for a number of years now, in the adult um, team, it stands to them getting that training along with them. Do you know the sharpness is a, is a bit more, and they have to be thinking a bit more. So I, I think you can kind of tell that from some of them there. Do you know there was there was definitely you know a step up from from a lot of them, and it's it's great to see them playing such good football as well. Commiserations and thanks for talking to us. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan, and guests between 6 and 7 pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels, as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.